Hey there, and welcome to Beyond Health Podcast. This is Brett, and we are back with our second episode of 2023. Um, technically, the first guest episode that we have, and this one is without question one of, if not the most important podcast I've done to date. Um, time is of the essence, and we're talking about some very, very big issues that are going to affect every single person on this planet. It doesn't matter where you are, in what country you are, it doesn't matter where you live. This is happening right now. And we have the World Health Assembly, who's basically the decision-making arm for the World Health Organization, are meeting right now at time of recording in Switzerland to ratify something called the Amendments to the International Health Regulations. My guest today, James Rogowski, has just done an absolutely phenomenal job over the last year. I've been following his work very closely and I felt like time is of the essence here. And I wanted to get him on the show to discuss all of this and not only just to discuss what is happening, but also to share with us what he has done in terms of what we can do. So please listen through the whole episode and um, click through onto the website, right? And there's an action item there. So there's an action item for Canada, and on that website, you can also click around, and there's action items for wherever you live. You can make your uh, voice known. You can uh, reach out to your elected officials and talk about this. Um, and let them know what is actually happening, because no one knows that this is going on. This is the craziest part of it all. What I want to do, just in an effort to not take up too much airtime here in our introduction is I'm going to just read you the short version that is up on James's Substack, and then I'll talk about a couple of other points. I just want to give you what is in store for this episode so that you know what you're getting into. Basically, the World Health Organization is attempting a global power grab by seeking to have the 194 member nations of the World Health Assembly adopt amendments to the international health regulations as well as adopt a completely new international agreement commonly referred to as the proposed pandemic treaty. Now, in the beginning of this episode, what we talk about, and it gets a little bit granular, but I'm going to leave it in there because there's some people that want those granular details. So please just power through that 10 or 15 minutes where we talk about the difference between the pandemic treaty, which we think is actually a bit of a decoy, and the international health regulation amendments, right? So there is a difference there, but there's also a lot of overlap. The proposed amendments would make the World Health Organization's proclamations legally binding rather than just advisory recommendations. The changes would institute global digital health certificates, dramatic increase in billions of dollars available to the WHO and enable nations to implement the regulations without respect for dignity, human rights, and fundamental freedoms of people. This is one of the big changes that they made. They literally crossed that out, right? The original amendments had respect for dignity, human rights, and fundamental freedoms of people. They actually crossed that out, right? So your fundamental rights and human rights are gone if this goes through. And the agreement by a simple majority of the 194 member nations is all that is needed to adopt these amendments because, as amendments to an existing agreement, neither the advice or consent of the United States Senate nor the signature of the president would be required. And this holds true for any other country. It doesn't matter where you are listening to this from. 
These amendments are being negotiated in secret without any opportunity for comment by anyone around the world. Now, I want to bring something else up here and just talk about some of the highlights here because I want to drive this point home and I also want to get your thoughts. So click through to the show notes and share your thoughts. Um, as I said in my previous episode, we're trialing a new uh, software platform where you can chat with other um, people who are listening. It uh, doesn't matter which device you're listening to, uh, if you're listening on a website, if you're listening on a computer, on a phone, it doesn't matter, right? Um, which doesn't matter which pod podcast player app either. So share your thoughts. I want to know what you think about this. But to give you some of the highlights, um, we talk about what these amen amendments really mean for us, right? And how the, the WHO can essentially declare a pandemic a global pandemic, even if there's only one case in one part of the world, right? That's what some of these amendments really mean. Why member states will have to, by law, enact WHO policies. So the easiest way to describe this is, you know, can you imagine I'm sitting here in Canada and we have a, one person that gets Ebola, right? And local health authorities say, okay, we've got an Ebola case. Uh, we're just going to quarantine that person. Maybe we're going to load them up with antivirals and whatever. And that's it, right? That's all you have to do. We are not obliged currently to tell the World Health Organization um, we can reach out for help if we want or not. We can do what they suggest or not. Under these new amendments, though, they will be able through their regional directors to basically declare a global pandemic in that situation. And whatever they say this region and by extension the rest of the world will have to do what they say it gives them unbridled power dictator power to basically ram their policies and their recommendations down our throats um we talk also about health passports and digital traveler documents and there's a lot of um, movement in that area right now especially in europe and uh, we talk about what's happening there coming up in November 2023, where you will no longer be able to just arrive. You will have to have a digital traveler document. Um, as you know, many of the G20 countries have adopted um, and signed on to global health passports. And of course, there's lots of talk about digital IDs and by extension, central bank digital currencies. So all of these things are kind of converging right now. And um, I think a lot of it has to do with what we're talking about on this episode. So the who is also seeking... Uh, funding to double down on censorship. I mean, look, if anyone can look at the last three years, censorship has been unparalleled, right? Fact checkers everywhere, post, posts being deleted, people's accounts being deleted, and so on. What these amendments are going to do is give them unlimited funds to actually ramp up their censorship efforts while simultaneously, right, ramping up mass messaging through mainstream media channels. So in other words, whatever the official narrative is, they're just going to beam that loud and clear on all channels. And anyone else who goes counter narrative or talks about anything else is going to be censored harder than they are already. They're also seeking unlimited funds to speed up the manufacture, approval and distribution of drugs and shots. Right? I mean, I just want you to think about Operation Warp Speed and how quickly everything went through there and how quickly, I mean, historically vaccinations go through on the low end five and a half years right I'm, I'm actually i might even be wrong on that i think it's about 10 but usually they go through 10 to 25 years of an ap approval process the COVID shots were the quickest they just got rammed through and what these amendments are going to do is they're going to speed up that whole process 
right? So as more pandemics are, are um, declared, uh, which again, you can go click on the Gavi website, you can just research Gavi and uh, future pandemics, and you'll see what, um, what they're working on over there. And um, basically, they want to have these unlimited funds to speed all of this stuff up, right, which is kind of crazy. So I just want you to think about all of these. But again, this is not a doom post. This is not all doom and gloom. The point here is we need to know what the, what is happening right now. And you need to take action. Right, please, please, please click through to the website and click the Take Action Canada button or actions you can take right now. Right, I've hyperlinked it here in the show notes on the website, and all you need to do is just click through. It's very, very easy. James has done all of the hard work for us. Right, there's swipe files, there's copy, there's email copy, everything is templated. You can change it if you want or not and start speaking to your elected officials, no matter where you are in the world, start speaking to them. Because this is happening right now, January 9th, this week, behind closed doors. All right, behind closed doors. The press is not even allowed there, right? So no press, no votes, no public inquiry, no referendums, no media coverage, nothing at all. All right, so please, please, please. I've also hyperlinked a couple of articles from James's Substack, which you can check out. And um, I would encourage you just to browse his Substack. He's just, you know, the last year, he has just spent astronomical amounts of time and energy. And um, I applaud people like that who just uh, take the bull by the horn, so to speak, and, um, you know, do the hard work for us. And please uh, don't forget, if you would like to support your health and the show, uh, you can click through to energybits.com and use coupon code MASTERCLASS. Uh, they are the um, highest quality, in my opinion, highest quality uh, blue-green algae, so spirulina, chlorella. They also have Vitality Bits, which is a mixture of the two. And you can get 20% off uh, by using coupon code MASTERCLASS, all one word, by going to energybits.com. So uh, thanks so much for tuning into this episode. And uh, please, please, please share the heck out of this one, because this is absolutely critical that we get this information out there, right? So share, share, share with your friends, with your family, with your community. And and listen, before I even hand the mic over here to uh, and, and get into the episode, everything that we talk about in this episode is taken directly out of the World Health Organization documents. Right. So there's no interpretations here. There's no inference or anything like that. And you can see James's work. Everything is taken right out of those documents and highlighted. So this is a good one to share with people who are maybe on the fence or who are maybe not as skeptical as someone like myself or maybe who are not as researched as someone like um, myself uh, or James. So please share this with them and let's get the word out because time is of the absolute essence. So without further delay, I bring you James Rogowski. Hey, James, welcome to the show. Great to have you here. Oh, I appreciate the time. Um, you know, we got to get this information out and uh, I appreciate you um, sharing this with your audience. And um, I think the timing is, um, is excellent. Uh, we just connected uh, shortly before the holiday break. And then I started reading more Substack and started sort of catching up with what you were doing. And I was like, holy smokes, we've got to get you on the show like now so that I can get this out the door. Um, because there's a lot of stuff that is happening um, this week at time of publishing. Uh, this will be January 9th, um, that, starting the 9th. Um, but before we even get into any of that stuff, um, I guess, you know, what we're here to discuss today 
is really the amendments to something called the International Health um, Regulations. And we're going to talk a little bit about the World Health Organization, um, this pandemic treaty and all this sort of stuff. Um, a lot of people listening or watching are not going to have any clue what we're talking about. And so what I would like to do is at least very briefly is um, let's just start sort of not quite from the beginning, but let's start off with what is the IHR and where, when did this come about? Um, what was the original intention of it? And then we can sort of segue into a couple other things. Absolutely. Um, a year ago, I had no clue. I had no idea, right? And um, I fell down the proverbial rabbit hole back in March of 2022 and um, learned that there was such a thing as the international health regulations. And um, they actually go back um, a couple of hundred years. They started out as sanitary regulations. And, um, you know, if you could think back maybe just, you know, 150 or 200 years, um, you know, there was not indoor plumbing, there was not sewage, you know, treatment plants and all that sort of thing. Um, people had a chamber pot and they threw it out in the street or, you know, just if they had to use, you know, relieve themselves, they just squatted and went to the bathroom and went on their merry way, like most animals do. Okay. And, you know, once we started living in cities, that was really, really bad, you know, diseases mm -hmm. um, were spread by that. And so they started these sanitary regulations when after World War Two um, and the United Nations got started, and you know the WHO is the adjunct of that. Um, they adopted all of those sanitary regulations in 1969. Um, you know things were kind of getting cleaned up, you know, and and you know now like India has had this huge thing. You know, there's now toilets everywhere. People don't just go to the bathroom in, in the middle of nowhere, um, and and so it shifted a little bit and it changed over to very specific communicable diseases. In 1969, it was changed from sanitary regulations to the international health regulations. And it really kind of changed character. Then after 9-11 and the anthrax scares and SARS-1, um, they went through a big rewrite and it became known as the international health regulations 2005 version. Okay. And there've been a couple of little tiny changes since then, but that's, you know, you can go on any one of my sub stacks or just go on the WHO website and you can read what is an 84 page document and about 58 of the pages are the actual regulations. I think there are 66 articles and I call them the international surveillance regulations because they really don't talk about health. You would think it's like, oh, you know, this is the treatment you should do or you should, you know, um, these are, you know, no, 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 no. It's misnamed, right? If, if everybody referred to these documents as the international surveillance, tracking, reporting, um, and alert regulations, you go, oh, I get it, okay? And on one level, um, I'm okay with that. It's like, well, you know, if country A has an outbreak of some strange something, right? And, and they figure out, oh, you know, what the heck is going on here? You, you would want to have a mechanism by which they say, hey, um, you know, world, we've got a new problem here. Y'all want to pay attention, right? And when I first read the international health regulations um, earlier this year, I got to article three. Article one is all definitions. Article two is the scope of it. And article three are the fundamental principles. And the first fundamental principle says, these regulations um, shall be uh, implemented 
with full respect for the dignity, human rights, and fundamental freedoms of people. And I'm like, that's not so bad. That sounds pretty good. I'm, you know, I, I agree with that. And, you know, there were many other things. There were a lot of things that I, I, I didn't agree with, but, you know, that core fundamental thing sounded okay to me, right? And lo and behold, um, just uh, before Christmas time, um, and, I, and I knew this was coming, but they finally got around to publishing um, am proposed amendments to these regulations. And so to backtrack a little bit, in, in May of 2022, the amendments that the United States had proposed that I rose, you know, just made a big stink about, um, they pretty much got kicked to the curb and rejected. And what they did is they set up a process by which they invited every nation to submit whatever amendments to the regulations that they thought were appropriate. Well, those were the deadline for that was September 30th. Um, I put out um, freedom of information requests to learn what they had received as submissions and the freedom, you know, they just dragged their feet and, and, and mm -hmm. stalled and stalled. I got people from Canada, the United Kingdom, um, South Africa, Australia, New Zealand, and Finland to also put in requests for, you know, official requests, and they all just got ignored. United Kingdom's response was, quite frankly, the most entertaining. They said, yeah, we have them, but we're not going to give them to you. Um, huh. It's like, okay, great. So they finally got around to publishing them, and it, it's shocking, okay? They literally would cross out their core guiding principle, their, the way they write it up is it literally has a strike through line on it and they just wiped out the requirement to implement these with respect for dignity human rights and fundamental freedoms now that's near the top of 46 pages of changes to what are 58 pages of existing you know uh, articles of, of the regulations boy the things that they're changing um i just published yesterday the 100 top reasons you know to to push back on this because what they want to do is just un it's amazing yeah. and it's not a good thing. And it's not, there's not, there's a few things in there maybe that I could argue or, you know, yeah, okay, that's a good thing. Yeah. Um, but the vast majority of it is just an abuse of people's rights and freedoms and dignity and just gives them control and money and turns what should be and is an advisory organization they make recommendations into a totalitarian dictatorship well um i'm looking at it right now and i looked at your hundred reasons um, mm -hmm. i actually went through almost all of them um so i have a pretty good good understanding of that but before we even get into some of them because obviously we're not going to go through all 100 we'll we'll get into the real um the things that mm -hmm. i've highlighted that i know our listeners would be interested in but a lot of people are aware of um, the World Health Organization pandemic treaty, right? Is is this the same thing, or is this something different? No, they're they're similar. They circle around similar topics. There's quite a lot of overlap, and um, uh, I'll back it up because I think we have a little bit of time. I'll back it up and try to give a history. Okay. Um, Obviously, the regulations have been around for a hundred years, as I just described. Mm -hmm. Okay, mm -hmm. and, and more. And, and so they are existing international law, right? Now, they don't have much in the way of teeth, okay? Because all they really do is say to nations, set up 
a mechanism by which, you know, you monitor your country. And if something's going on, you tell us. And if we find out something's going on, you know, we're going to um, communicate with you and then we're going to tell, you know, the, the world. It's a surveillance and monitoring and reporting and alert mechanism. The, the, this is then, the treaty that you're talking about, right? No, 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 oh, no, no. This, this is, is this, these are the um, these are the existing international health international surveillance reporting and alert regulations. When you say it like that, everybody goes, "Duh, okay, it makes yeah, sense." Yeah. And 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 so, but the WHO is only empowered to then make recommendations. And okay. the nations are free to choose what they want to do. Now, that's both good and bad. And, and that's a whole other discussion. Yeah. So back in November of 2020, um, the European Union started rumbling. Uh, I should say the European Commission started talking out about, oh, we need a treaty. Okay. So for all of 2021, up until no end of November, December, Oh, we need a treaty. We need a treaty. And my goodness, the money that was spent by foundations to put forth all of these proposals. Okay. And so for the whole year of 2021, um, people were, you know, putting out these proposals and um, everybody in the media talked about that as if those things were a treaty. Okay. Mm, okay, but they were just they were just people talking ideas, just ideas. So at the end of November, beginning in December 2021, a little more than a year ago, they had a special meeting. It's only the second time they've done it of the World Health Assembly. All of the 194 nations got together and they said, yeah, 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 yeah. We're going to start negotiating a treaty. Okay. well, it, quite frankly, in many ways, all of that discussion about the treaty is absolutely stepping on the toes of the existing international health regulations. Okay. So there, there started these two parallel, well, well, let's, let's just change the regulations or let's have a whole new treaty. And I think you could see the conflict and the turf battles and the, mm -hmm. Oh, we want this. No, we want it here. We want it here. We want it here. And, and so, you know, almost everybody commingles these two things because the information is overlapping and redundant and commingled. And, and I've done my very best always to say, look, you know, here's what I'm talking about. Yeah. And then I'll talk about that. Okay. So the treaty, um, they created something called at, at this, um, last November, December, 2021 meeting, they agreed to create an intergovernmental negotiating body, which is just a group of a bunch of, um, you know, bureaucrats, mm -hmm. um, They've had numerous meetings through the year. Um, in May, when we were talking about the proposed amendments that I revealed and made us think about, um, while we were talking about that in April and May, prior to the May 20, 2022 assembly, everybody kept calling that the treaty because that's what they had been hearing. But it wasn't the treaty. The treaty did not even exist, right? And so what happened in May was all about amendments to the international health regulations. Then finally in July, um, the intergovernmental negotiating body published their first rough draft of the proposed treaty. And then um, at the end of November, 
they made up this name and now what they're working with is a 32 page what they call conceptual zero draft and they're going to be meeting again in february to change that from conceptual zero draft to zero draft now any other sane person in the world would go eh, you know we got version 1.0 version 2.0 it's a working draft you know here's what we got okay and and so that's all been a little bit public they've had meetings they've had conferences they've had presentations i actually got to speak back in april uh for two minutes i think it's really entertaining if anybody wants to watch it um mm -hmm. but uh they've they've uh back in april they put out a call with five days notice for people to comment about the treaty and in five days, we got 33,884 people to put in a public comment. And they just buried it because after like four months or so, when they finally got around to revealing it, um, they, they immediately canceled the next um, public comment period. And, and they put in red type on their web page, um, well, we're canceling the next public comment period because they wanted the public comments to support what they were doing. Of course. And we, came, yeah. we came to find out that 99 point something percent of all of the comments were like, we don't want you to be doing this. We don't want you involved in this. Then in September, they, and, and again, this is all about the treaty, not the amendments, right? Um, in September, they said, oh, we're gonna have another public comment period at the end of September, the 29th and the 30th. And you know, I'm on to them, so I knew something was gonna be some kind of trick. And so on September 7th, they posted real quietly on their web page, oh, well, you know, we're really not going to have a meeting at the end of the month. You've got this weekend to submit 90-second videos. They put up a platform. I remember that, yeah. Right? And, and they required people to hold up their identification. And many people are like, why do you want my passport or my driver's license? You know, what? what? And so I set up a thing called screwthewho.com. So anybody can go to screwthewho.com. And there's a couple of hundred videos that people made giving their opinion okay and and so um what happened is they extended the short time period and my interpretation of the reason why is they needed to bring in all of their relevant stakeholders all of the foundations and groups and when i was watching what they ended up presenting i was really tracking it to see what was happening and so i would stop the video they had a compilation of everyone's videos I would stop the video, write down the person's name, look at them, and I could, I was 100% correct. I could tell people who had a background like me, you know, I'm just in my dining room, right? And you can see that it's like a real person in their home or something, mm -hmm. or in their garage or in their car or wherever they did the video. You could tell that they were just a regular old normal person. All of the people who were presenting on behalf of these organizations they looked a certain way they had a logo in the background and they were obviously in support of what the who was doing because they were going to benefit from it right and so they they put all these videos out there um go to screwthewho.com and see what your fellow you know people have had to say about this and and they've continued to have meetings they're having more meetings and my um i, I like to separate when i'm just talking about documents and evidence and clear-cut things and then there's my opinion about them, right? I try to keep that to a minimum. But my opinion is that the treaty is functioning as a decoy. 
I was going to ask you that. Yeah. Yeah. People talk about it. They hear about it. It gets in the news. And what these international health regulations and the proposed amendments are, are just quietly chugging along underneath. Right. And there's a very important reason. To create a new treaty. Okay. In the World Health Assembly, which is the meeting of 194 nations, they would start out with a relatively high bar. Two thirds of all of the nations would have to agree to it. And then realistically, you've got 194 nations who could individually reject it. They could say, nope, we don't want to take part. Okay. And so only the nations who then went back to their people and said, you know, we, the assembly has um, adopted this treaty. Um, do we have our nation's permission to sign on to the treaty? Okay. Now, in some nations, you know, the king or the emperor just signs on and boom, mm-hmm. they're in. Mm-hmm. In the United States, there's supposed to be um, uh, advice and consent from two thirds of the Senate, which is pretty hard to get because they're always fighting with each other. And back in 2003, I believe it was, um, the George W. Bush administration just signed um, a very similar uh, framework convention on controlling tobacco use and never bothered to ask the Senate, but he still signed on to it. So it's just an executive agreement. It's not a treaty treaty. Okay. Mm-hmm. And, and, and so that's the hard path, right? And so that's what they're putting out there in the public. But the easy path that we have to be really aware of is this very well hidden negotiations to amend the international health regulations because the bar is much, much, much lower. They only need a simple majority. So if there's 194 nations, half of that is 97. If they get 98 of the tiniest, most impoverished nations to say, yeah, we like all the money you're promising. We'll give you control. We'll say yes to this, these changes, these amendments. Boom, it's international law because it's only changing an existing agreement. There's no signatures needed. There's no Senate advice and consent. There's no parliamentary, you know, interpretation in Canada. Um, Boom. You know, now to to be um, straight up, the official word from the WHO throughout this whole thing is they're shooting to consider adopting both the treaty and the amendments in 2024. Yeah. But the Indonesian health minister uh, at the G20, who's really a banker, okay, and he really revealed that this is all just a business opportunity for the pharmaceutical hospital emergency industrial complex, very proudly said that Indonesia submitted proposed amendments and they they are very much pushing for a global digital health certificate vaccine passport by any other name okay mm-hmm. uh and and that is there are nine articles and three annexes that would be changed um to institute this global digital id system um he said well of course we're going to push for this in 2023 okay and and so the official word is oh don't worry we're not doing anything until 2024 and i'm like you're not doing anything ever <laughs> okay. yeah, yeah. You know, we're not we're not having this ever. And so hopefully that um, boy, you know, I know it's complicated. Um, I've been living this for, you know, almost a year now. And, and so 
I give everybody my phone number. So, you know, 310-619-3055 is my phone number. Uh, it's in the United States. So, you know, the area uh, country code, I guess, is plus one. Mm-hmm. 310-619-3055. If anybody is, you know, you know, interested enough to want to have some questions, I do a Zoom meeting every day at uh, 3 p.m. Eastern or noon um, Pacific time. And so I'm available for anybody who, you know, there's no way people are going to, you know, grasp this in a nanosecond. No, it's no. Great. But who wants to you know, push back on this because, my goodness, we just can't let this happen. Well, no. And I think, um, you know, this is this is a very, very pressing issue because, as you said, it's only supposed to come into effect 2024. But they they are looking or they could potentially be ramming this through in the next couple of months. Right. Um, if, if everything and, and if everything happens, you um, you, you um, sort of kind of teased a little bit at the beginning. Um, I, I believe you're probably going to publish this on Monday, January 9th. Correct. And yeah. um, that Monday is the first day of week long. Um, I say secret, they say confidential. I don't really know what the difference is. Um, I guess they're not totally secret because I know that having week-long meetings of the International Health Regulations Review Committee um, to finalize. Uh, they currently have a 46-page draft of the proposed amendments, which had been distilled down from almost 200 pages that were the submissions from the various nations, uh, 16 nations in total uh, submitted changes. They've been distilled down to 46 pages. Um, those 46 pages have a good amount of redundancy and typographical errors at this point and all that sort of thing. And so they're, they're meeting the week of January 9th to the 13th to, um, I'll just say edit you know, that and negotiate you know, any changes to it because they're shooting for a self-imposed deadline of January 15th, Sunday, January 15th, to um, submit that document to the WHO. And even though they absolutely um, broke their rules in 2022, one of the articles of the International Health Regulations is that any amendments must be submitted to the WHO and then forwarded to all of the member nations officially four months before the May uh, World Health Assembly. So they're rushing right now to submit something before that four-month deadline. So they're they're shooting to submit it on January 15th. And I'm like, if if you're going for 2024, what's your rush? Yeah, right. What's your rush, right? You know? Um, so, you know, I smell a rat and even if they don't pass it in, um, May, uh, or, or adopt it, I should say, um, oh, everybody needs to know because they're, they're trying to do this nice and quietly and secretly. And some of the things that are in there, we can get into the details are absolutely atrocious. Yeah. Well, what I did was um, I kind of made a bit of a summary, right? So um, just just to kind of consolidate everything that you're Wonderful. that you're talking Wonderful. about. Um, uh, for those who are new to this conversation, uh, we basically have this um, international health regulations, which is a document or a set of policies and guidelines that have been around since 2005. These are now being amended or proposed to be amended, and um, essentially. 
those amendments have all, um, well, this whole thing has manifested during the pandemic. And um, I'm going to read my summary that I wrote, which is in plain English. Oh, beautiful. Um, beautiful. It's just straightforward. And uh, we can pick it apart with um, your, we can go back to your top 10 reasons for exiting the WHO, for stopping the amendments, and all of these things that we're going to talk about. But basically, what we're looking at is a consolidation of power by the World Health Organization, right? And what will happen then is they, under these new amendments, they can decide what constitutes a pandemic using um, their surveillance network. So they could constitute what causes a pandemic or what constitutes a public health emergency. Um, the surveillance network includes digital health certificates, travelers' health declarations, um, and more, obviously. We've all got cell phones, um, Let's not get too crazy with all that, but nonetheless, surveillance is the name of the game, right? So tracking and tracing. Any dissenters are then censored. So anyone who speaks up against this um, is then censored, and the official story will be bolstered using unlimited funds and propaganda techniques. Okay, we're already seeing that. Um, we've already seen that over the last three years. Uh, this is now being enshrined here into these amendments. Once a public health threat has been declared, all member states of the World Health Organization must, by law, enforce the, um, these IHR recommendations and policies, right? They have to do this. And again, we're going to get into the weeds with all of this in just a minute. But basically, um, the member states then have, they will have to, right? Because the World Health Organization and the Director General of the World Health Organization essentially says, hey there's a pandemic or there's a public health emergency on the other side of the world, all, all hands on deck here. Uh, this is what we need to do. This is, and, and it's by law now, right? Um, this, is, this is legally binding. You all have to follow whatever we say to do. You have to do that, right? And member states then also have a duty to help others detect and enforce these policies, which is very concerning. So let's say, for example, my local law enforcement say, well, hang on a second, this is crazy. We're not going to like lock these people up or we're not going to take the dissenters away. Well, that's no problem. We'll just bring in a foreign force, right? We can do that. Um, drugs and vaccinations or injections, we should, we should say more correctly, are the only official solutions. Um, any other products, as we've already seen with the COVID pandemic, any other products are off the table um, you know, there's no, there will be no talk of vitamin D or N-acetylcysteine or even hydroxychloroquine or ivermectin or anything, nothing else, everything else is off the table. And we know already that they've got a long pipeline of mRNA uh, vaccinations in the works. Um, it's all happening right now, right? Um, uh, unlimited funds to speed up the manufacture, approval and distribution of these drugs and uh, injections. And then compliance will then be documented and tracked on digital health passports, right? And this will then be required to essentially live out your daily life, to travel, to shop, etc. And I think um, if one had to sort of go one step further and bring in things like central bank digital currencies and whatnot, um, well, there you go. You know, you basically have the open air prison, uh, which is which has been created. Um, so, how was my summary, James? It's fantastic, and I'm I'm happy that you were. Um able to uh, take my complete long version and, and summarize it. The only thing I would add is I believe it's um, Article 13A um, sets up uh, the Director General really as the controller of the means of production of all of these pandemic response products. And literally, he could say that they have an allocation mechanism 
and, and he could say to country A, your manufacturers have to make this and ship it and give it to country B. And so, I mean, it, it literally would put him in control of the world's economy in relationship to all, you know, whatever they determine um, must be manufactured and, and, you know, utilized. And so that's like the clearest um, invasion, you know, into um, just Marxist, Marxist philosophy of the control of the means of production, mm-hmm. that nations would have to, um, they would have a duty uh, um, to um, help out other nations. And, you know, on one level, yes, we all have a, you know, a, a, a responsibility to our fellow human beings to help out, but not at the dictate of a sole, you know, totalitarian director general, dictator general, who makes decisions based on nothing other than whim. Okay. And the, the other thing I, I might add is it's a little bit um, nudgy and, and, and detail oriented, but um, they, they make a claim in their um, documents that, oh, all of the guidance must be backed by science. <laughs> and if you look at the actual document, you go to the bottom looking for footnotes, looking for references, right? Every single recommendation that they made in the 46 pages of these proposed amendments there's no science backing that any of this would work. And when they had a, um, their first informal focused conference on September 21st, they asked their experts, they had a panel of experts and they said, well, what metrics, what criteria, what measurements could we use to enforce this, to you know, make sure that nations are prepared you know, to um, either prevent or, or respond, right? And it made my jaw drop because the expert said, we have no idea. Um, all of the metrics that you would have measured back in 2020 would have indicated that countries like Italy and Germany and Spain and Portugal and the UK and the United States, oh, they should have done great because you know they had all the money, they had all the resources, the hospitals, all that sort of stuff, you know, pharmaceutical manufacturing. Um, but all the more you know, relatively poor nations did much better. And they're like, they, they literally said, um, you know, we owe it to ourselves to think about this before we go telling everybody what to do. And boy, they couldn't get them off stage fast enough. It's like, oh, get out of here, right? Um, they don't know how to prepare for the unknowable. And so their solution is put them in charge. Mm. It's astonishing, but, you know, that's how people who have um you know there really should be a new disease disease named and it, it, it there probably are many um people who have the belief in technocracy that they are the experts and they know everything and if everyone would just do what they said everything would be better has been proven you, you haven't gotten to the goodness you said you um i i think what you're coming up in the top 100 is is essentially look they, they didn't talk about this. They, what they didn't talk about, what they haven't been discussing in their negotiations is what they did wrong. Yeah, you what, can't have you that. Know, yeah, yeah, they don't want oh, to have that oh, discussion at all. Te- technocrats don't want to talk about what they did wrong and actually learn from it. That would actually be science. Yeah. Okay. Well, well I mean, look, let, let, let's just take a look back at the last three years. 
I, I mean, you know, you, you've got people, um, public health figures, you've got, you know, from medical people to politicians to whoever, these people are standing on stage and you've got so many hot mic takes, you know, where they're just like, <laughs> well, we don't know what we're doing. We're just, whatever, whatever's on the paper, we just read what's on the paper, right? So I think we've already seen the, not even a dry run. I mean, we've seen this happen in real time already with the COVID pandemic, where they basically from from above, you know, universally across the board, the messaging was the same, the marketing was the same, the quote unquote science was the same. The science was always changing somehow the same across the whole world, you know, in unison. And I mean, we can just look back in the rearview mirror and and I don't think anyone could argue at this point, the recommendations that were put in place did not work. How do we know that? because they're still banging on about variants and cases and blah, blah, blah. So obviously it didn't work. And some might say, you know, if we want to be cred uh, credulous, I guess, um, some might say, well, we just didn't know, you know, the science changes, we're feeling our way in the dark. And it's like, well, hang on a minute. At this point in time, we have had more than enough time to mm -hmm. analyze this with a fine tooth comb and a microscope. And yet no one wants to have the conversation about what went wrong about why there were no alternative treatments, why we couldn't even talk about alternative treatments. Still to this day, with all of these things, there have been zero focus on health whatsoever. In other words, you cannot talk about prevention. You cannot talk about improving your health. What, what supplements could you take? What nutraceuticals could you take to bolster your immune system? You cannot even have that discussion. And I think one of the things I gleaned from your very detailed video, which I'm going to link here, is that um, the overarching message here really has very little to do with people's health. And what it has everything to do with is actually building a better quote-unquote healthcare system or a global healthcare system, which is really nothing more than the pharmaceutical industrial complex um, lining their pockets, right? So, you know, unlimited funds to support things like gain-of-function research, unlimited funds to support the rapid approval of drugs and injections, unlimited funds to censor anything else that's countered. So N-acetylcysteine, vitamin D, ivermectin, whatever it is, right? Unlimited funds to censor and oppress that. And then unlimited funds to surveil, um, to, you know, to put everyone under surveillance. I mean, you know, th this, to, in my mind anyway, has absolutely nothing to do with supporting the health of the people. And, and since these vaccines or injections, we should say, have been rolled out, well, we've seen all-cause mortality increase. So like, you know, it, it's, it's not adding up any which way you want to look at this. Um, but some of these amendments that they're talking about are, are absolutely shocking. I mean, we've touched on some of them. Um, I want to just pull out if I can. I just want to rapid fire here in the interest of, um, of time. One of the biggest changes here that you mentioned was the change from non-binding to legally binding. Right, and I think a lot of people, perhaps you can comment on that, right? So non-binding versus legally binding. Because when we talk about this director general now and the World Health Organization basically capturing all of the member states, essentially what we're saying is those member states have now lost their sovereignty, right? So in the past, the World Health Organization would say, hey, you guys over there in New Zealand, you reported an outbreak of something. You let us know if you need help and we'll be right here. Now it's like, well, we will declare whether there's an outbreak of anything and we will decide whether it's an emergency and then you will have to do what we tell you, right? Have, have I got that right? That's, I, I, you could argue that that's the core of what's going on here. 
currently, um, it's it's a surveillance regulations. So uh, let me answer your first question, then I want to go back to the thing you mentioned a little bit earlier before that question. You're, you're absolutely right. Um, changing non-binding recommendations to legally binding dictates or orders or commands or whatever you want to call them, okay? The one word that we haven't spoken yet is sovereignty or national sovereignty, okay? Um, each nation having the freedom to make their own choices is what these proposed amendments would wipe out, okay? One world government, you know, whole of government, whole of society, one health, you know, uh, concepts with one dictatorial leader to make all of the decisions, okay? Well, um, if that person had a direct line to God and they knew, you know, the overall workings of the mechanisms of the universe um, and they could guide us, I would still object to it because I'm here to have my own life and make my own choices, even if they were always right, it should still only be a recommendation. And then it's on me to either follow their wisdom or make my own stupid choices, okay? But the way it's worked out is they are not, you know, channeling the infallible word of God and speaking truth all of the time. They don't know what they're doing. They're just bossy. Right. And, and what this really comes down to is there aren't two kinds of people. It's a spectrum. OK. And we all have aspects of it and we all deal with it in our own way. But there are people who are on the side of the spectrum where they go, look, um, you're free to make your own choices as long as they don't cause me any difficulty. You make your own choices. You're free to do that. I'll give you my advice. You big dummy, right? You know, I, I told you, you should have, you know, you should have, you shouldn't have, okay? But it's could and should and may, okay? Then there's the other end of the spectrum, and we're all somewhere on that spectrum, and it varies in, in different situations. But then there are those people who, oh, they can't even imagine that someone else could have a good idea, right? Their technocratic skills are such that you know their words should be gospel. Their 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 proclamations should be commands, and everybody, not could or should or or may, but um, I, I'm sorry, not could or or may or, or 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 should. I'm sorry, I was I was right. They shall or they must. Mm -hmm. And and so what we're looking at is you know from a legal standpoint, in the document, the word shall appears 263 times. Wow. Okay. Boy, that's just bossy. Okay. You must do this. You must do this. You must do this. And you must do this. Now, if you go all the way back to Roman times, if there was an emergency, they would choose a well-respected, you know, person in society to take charge. Now I get it. I've been in situations where people needed to take charge and you're like, you do this, and you do this, and you do this. Okay. And, and stuff, stuff gets done. That's the definition of a dictator. They bark orders. They dictate. They go, you know, here's what you're going to do. Here's what you're going to do. Here's what you're going to do. And, and when you're in a certain work situation, that does 
makes sense as long as you keep principle number one and you implement that with respect for their dignity, their human rights, and their fundamental freedoms. If, if the dictator says, you do this and you do this and you do this, and the person goes, nah, I don't want to do that, okay? Um, that has to be respected, okay? Now, I get it. You know, sometimes it causes problems. But human rights that are, you know, unalienable human rights, there is no derogation of human rights regardless of whether or not there is an emergency. And so because they want to cross that out, they're going over the Rubicon from, okay, great. You know, yes, we need a strong leader to take charge in an emergency. You want somebody who's going to make things happen, but you have to respect the fact that you can't force people to do it. And yeah. that's what this is. That's what this is all about. This is about going from, okay, look, you know, I'll give you my advice. I'll tell you what I think you should do. You do what you want to do. Um, from that to one person being in charge of the whole world, okay? Man, you know, uh, if you're for that, then get up on your, uh, on your soapbox and start preaching that we should all support um, these changes. Uh, if you're against that, you better speak up now because that's where it's headed. Well, that, that's why we're here, right? Yeah. Um, I, think, I think a couple of things I just want to throw in there and, and sort of underscore here is, is we're also talking about an expanded scope, right, is one. So we're not talking about like, okay, so now we have, you <laughs> I'm know. Glad and, you, and, I'm glad you brought that up. I often forget that. And, and listen, what, whatever people feel about COVID, it's, it is what it is, right? But, but let's just say the scale of COVID, right? So something just bursts on the scene. It's all over the place. We've got these tests. Um, I've done plenty of podcasts on all of that stuff. I'm not even going to go there again. But the point is, you've got something at the scale of COVID, right? That's happening around the world, supposedly. We've got all these tests that are proving positive, blah, blah, blah. We're talking here about expanding, expanding the scope to something that is a perceived threat. And the question that remains is who decides and what criteria have to be met in order to qualify as a perceived threat? That's literally someone's thinking, right? Like we could be sitting here going, oh my gosh, the person over the road has the sniffles. That's an outbreak. Um, let's go, right? And now the whole world is on lockdown and, and what have you. Um, I think that's fairly straightforward. But the other thing that I want to just remind people of, and, and I would encourage you to go back in the archives and you can listen to an episode called Who Are They? Right? Who are they? I took the whole time because we always talk about they, they, they. Right? So who are they? What are we talking about? And in that episode, I basically show you how we have these organizations or companies like Vanguard and BlackRock sitting at the top. And underneath all of this, we have a revolving door between governments, between corporations, between foundations, and it's a giant money laundering operation. So I would be okay, maybe not, but I might be okay if we could all say, hey, everyone here is a good actor. We're all acting on good faith. And the, the guys at the World Health Organization just have everyone's best interests at heart, right? And we just have to say, you know, in order to save the people, in order to, you know, save as many lives as possible, everyone just needs to do this, right? But unfortunately, what we need to look at is who is funding the World Health Organization, right? Who's funding the World Health Organization? And then the funders of the World Health Organization, they actually benefit from the WHO policies, right? They, and this is what we've seen. I mean, the, a, a massive transfer of wealth, uh, record profits posted by the pharmaceutical companies, 
So I think it's important to highlight that because we're not talking here about everyone just, you know, we're, we're all in it together and this is for the benefit of humankind. That's not what we're talking about. What we're talking about is a massive money laundering operation and a massive transfer of wealth and power is what we're talking about um, in my I'm, mind. I'm an optimist, okay? Um, but you're making me um, have to say that, oh, it's way worse than that. So let me explain, mm -hmm. okay? Um, because I, I think we can win this battle, you know, with, with awareness, but a little tiny bit of history, okay? Um, I currently, last time I checked, um, the WHO's yearly budget, they present it two years at a time, so it's a little confusing, but their yearly budget is somewhere under $4 billion, okay? Now, for you and me, that's an awful lot of money, but if you put it into context with some other things, um, it, it's really not all that much. No. Um, the United States, which is um, the highest uh, uh, assessed required payments, okay? Their assessed payment on a yearly basis, last time I checked, was $109 million. And you, you, got, a, you got an order of magnitude, a couple of orders of magnitude there. You're like, well, wait a minute, what's something to add up, okay? So 20 years or so ago, apparently nations started to balk at giving more money to the WHO because they were corrupt as all hell. And so the rules kind of changed. And so the required payments that nations have to pay are paltry. I mean, it's nothing, right? Um, $100 million in the United States is like a tenth of a winning lottery ticket. Okay, it's, it's not a whole lot of money in the grand scheme of things. So they changed the rules. And so nations can donate more money than they're obligated to pay. But that more money comes with strings attached. Oh, we want you to do this. We want you to do that. All of the foundations, which you mentioned, you know, they're relevant stakeholders of which they have 393. Everybody always picks on the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation, rightfully so, because, you know, they gave like a billion dollars a year. The United States is obligated to pay 100 million and Bill and Melinda Gates is dropping in a billion. You go, well, who are you going to listen to? Okay. And they want to do polio vaccines and you know, whatever it is they want to do, the, that money comes with strings attached. Well, the WHO has actually published on their website that the current funding system really isn't very good because all the money has strings attached. Hmm. So their proposal in the um, amendments is very, very vague. Oh, we just need money, right? And it says in there, um, we'll work out the details 24 months after you adopt these amendments. And you just go, wait, wait, wait a minute, wait a minute, okay? Um, in, in the proposed treaty, right, they want to set up an entirely new bureaucracy. Article 19 of the proposed treaty would set up a conference of the parties or a COP or a COP, and that's not a police officer, conference of the parties and that should bring up ideas from climate change they just had cop 27 so that big old bureaucracy that's running climate change stuff right has been meeting for i guess 27 years now mm -hmm. right mm -hmm. so they're looking at that going oh that sounds really great we could set up an entirely new bureaucracy they want to have i kid you not you can't make this stuff up they want to have um two presidents and four vice presidents to run their conference of the parties. 
They want to have an extended conference of the parties where all of the relevant stakeholders can be allowed to be in the at the at the table. Um, and they want to fund this with money from heaven, quite frankly, right? Again, you know, very ill-defined. And the best example of it is a, a real thing that is disconnected from the treaty and it's disconnected from the uh, amendments to the um, regulations is something called the World Bank Pandemic Fund. The United States was behind this. They pledged 800 million, now think about this. They pledged $800 million to the pandemic fund on a yearly basis. And they're only obligated to give $100 million to the WHO. Hmm. Okay, so th that is the level of you know discrepancy between taking care of every single aspect of health on the planet versus let's throw money into this pharmaceutical hospital emergency industrial complex. They were hoping to gain um, other um, donors. They wanted to shoot for 10 or $11 billion per year. They barely got matching funds. So they got up to $1.6 billion. They're taking applications. So if you have an idea of how to improve uh, pandemic preparedness and response, send in your application, see if you can get some of that money, right? Um, and, and that money is not government controlled in any way, shape or form. They have you know, um, organizations that are gonna dole out the cash. And I'm not kidding you, they're taking applications for projects, okay? Now, what that really means is that the WHO sees what the climate change people are doing, they see what the World Bank is doing, and they go, no, 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 we want that big money from heaven too, so that they can be in charge of dishing it out to their cronies, okay? Mm -hmm. And it, it, it's an absolute um, diversion from any kind of sovereign control over anything. It is pure fascism with a 21st century upgrade. Fascism was defined by Mussolini as government and corporations working together basically to beat up on the people. But the new twist in the 21st century, and you mentioned it earlier, are all of these foundations. Mm -hmm. And so foundations like the Wellcome Trust and Bill and Melinda Gates and Rockefeller, they threw money into the hopper along with the United States and many other nations. And, and you, you think they don't control where that money goes? You think they don't have a say as to where that money goes? So it's, it's no longer people paying taxes thinking that somehow those taxes are going to be used, you know, for the benefit of their nation. This is nations and foundations throwing money into a hopper that is just unaccountable. And, and it's, it's beyond, you know, and it's money laundering and organized crime on a scale that no one has ever seen before, leading to totalitarian dictatorship in a fascist regime that's not just business and corporations, but uh, I'm, I'm sorry, not just government and corporations, but government, corporations, and civil society. You know, these 393 relevant stakeholders. And I mean, it is just unbelievable corruption of any kind of democratic process, completely ignoring the will of the people. It's only paying attention to the will of the elite, the technocrats, 
that, well, you know, they know better. I mean, look how good they did over the past three years. Yeah. So let's give them more money and more control and, you know, no accountability whatsoever. They've got diplomatic immunity. So, um, you know, True. let's just let them be in charge of every aspect of our lives and get a QR code and they'll be able to tell you what to do and everything will be wonderful and glorious. Well, and, and I think that um, what a lot of people miss here, right, because it's very dystopian and it's sort of like, well, how, I mean, how are they, how are they even going to do this? Like, what are you, you know, this is not going to affect me, right? You know, um, we would need an actual pandemic, right? And it's like, well, remember, they can decide whatever pandemic they want, whatever constitutes a public health emergency. And when you go into like the Gavi website, for example, you can see that they've got the future pandemics, you know, what did, what do they think are going to be the future outbreaks? And lo and behold, they're working on on um, vaccines for those, etc. So I think that people naively think that this is not going to affect them. And and I would sort of want to push this one step further and get your comments on on um, things like the global health passports. You know, I mean, we already had a trial run with the vaccine passports, especially here in Canada. But most countries, I think, had them. Um, but now, you know, you've got the, the G20 countries have all signed on to a global health passport. You now have, I was just reading this morning when I woke up, uh, and I'm going to just read this because it's fresh in my mind, so I have to actually read it. I don't know it. Um, it's the European Travel Information and Authorization System, which is ETIAS. And this is basically a digital travel authorization system that is not the same as a visa, right? This is not the same as a visa. This is not the same as a passport. This comes into effect November 2023. And that is on the, you know, so, so these things are happening now, right? The digital IDs that are being pitched for convenience, you know, so, hey, look, now you can have your driver's license on there. You can access public services on there. It's easy. It's quick. Um, you know, it's not a hop, skip and a jump here to all of a sudden, well, you know, and, and this has already been on the, uh, the, the Ontario government's website since 2020, uh, I think maybe even before that, where they were saying your, you know, your vaccination status, which I thought was very odd, you know, so, so my health card, my driver's license, your banking information, which is interesting, and your vaccination status. So I think people need to really wake up to the idea that this is not conspiratorial. This is not something that we think may or may not happen, or these guys are talking about it. This is actually happening, and it's getting rolled out as we speak. And you have to wonder, you know, the, the details are very fuzzy on this ETIS, um, this European travel system that I just mentioned. The details are very fuzzy, but the writing's on the wall. I mean, you know, so as of November 2023, you've got your passport. And then what else are you going to have to show? You know, th this this could be, um, you know, where have you been 14 days prior to departure? Have you got a negative test for whatever is going on at the moment? Are you up to date on your vaccinations? Uh, do you have quarantine uh, capabilities when you get there? You know, these are the types of things that we've already seen over the last three years. So I don't think it's a, it's a far stretch to think that they're not going to happen again. I don't think I can improve on what you just said. Um, and it's crazy. Other than maybe to distinguish that the details that are known and made available to us are fuzzy. Yes. Oh, they they have all the details. They know exactly. You know, you don't write computer code and set up systems without all the details being worked out. Um, this is, um, you know, 1984, um, track and trace, control, um, you know, uh, it, it, it all stems from what I said earlier. Okay. Yeah. yeah. There, there's a spectrum 
of personality types. And, you know, I, I must admit, and I think everyone should admit, we all are somewhere on that spectrum differently depending upon the situation. You know, you, you look at any parent and when they're dealing with their child, they're very bossy, right? You must do this, okay? Other parents are like, ah, oh, you know, do whatever you want, okay? Mm -hmm. You know, go, go ahead and make your mistakes, right? And, and you learn from your mistakes. The personality types that are behind this, okay? They talk about science, they talk about equity, they talk about inclusivity. They, they name things like the international health regulations. And you have to realize that they're changing the meaning of words and what they say, even though it might be English, it's a different definition. And, and what they say they mean by their definition, they're speaking truth. Oh, we're just here to help you, mm -hmm. okay? by wiping out your dignity and your human rights and your fundamental freedoms. Because in their mind, right, they know best, they're so smart, and the world would just be such a better place if everybody just did what they said, okay? And I think each individual person needs to look inside of themselves and realize that you have done exactly the same damn thing to someone in your life at some point. You know, you have said, oh, you big dummy, don't do that. You should do this, right? Mm -hmm. and, and we have all at some point done that, okay? But a lot of people look at it and go, well, that's not how I want to be treated, okay? We've all been treated that way. We've had someone who has lorded over us as a master, as a boss, as a, you know, a parent or, or a teacher or, or whatever form of authority. And at some point you have to realize that it's a spectrum. Okay. Mm -hmm. And when people who have messed it up so bad over the last three years are unwilling to examine how badly they've messed it up and how culpable and accountable they should be. And instead of being put on trial and hung for crimes against humanity, their personality is such, we didn't make any mistakes. I don't know what you're talking about. Give us more power and more money. And, you know, if, if there was anything that we did wrong, it's because we didn't have enough money and enough power. So give us more power and money. Bingo. Yeah. Okay. And, and, and you just go, wow, the, the lack of personal awareness of how they are behaving, okay, is, is almost insurmountable, okay? I, I don't necessarily think it's mass formation psychosis or by whatever other name. It, each individual person has a tendency to be either live and let live, okay, live your life, make your mistakes, you know, come back to me and tell me how it went, you know, and that's really how you learn, right? Sweden did what Sweden did, and Denmark did what Denmark did, and China mm -hmm. did what China mm -hmm. did, you know. Did any of them actually learn from it, right? Or are they just creatures of habit and they're going to do the same darn thing all over again? But yeah. then when you're dealing with this dictatorial, you know, holier than thou, I'm smarter than everybody and, and you must do what I tell you to do, okay, attitude, and you give it money and you give it legally binding authority, um, you're talking 1984 dystopian, you know, horrible world where 
individual thought is being censored. Creative ideas are being squashed. Okay, we're going, we're heading into the dark ages. If anything, you know, that's reminiscent of the dark ages versus the Renaissance. Yeah, it's like, yeah, yeah. sheds shed some light on it or, or you know, and, and, and so what they're trying to do with these amendments is they're trying to hide them. A hundred percent. Yeah, well, you can see that. I mean, like, why are these meetings happening in secret? Why are they close to the press? Why is there no referendum? Or, But we saw all of these things before. You know, we saw these things when it was, I mean, something as, something as Same simple people. as mask mandates, right? I mean, for whatever, I've never really got into the whole mask debate personally. Like, I've just had bigger fish to fry. But the point is that even with that, that at some point, you know, two and a half, two years into the pandemic, like, okay, well, what, do, what does everyone think here? You know, given on what we now know, no referendum, no referendum on anything. You know, you, you, people just don't have a say. I mean, all of all of this to say, I mean, let's segue into um, what we can actually do here. And, and mm -hmm. I know that you've done some work or um, you, you understand a little bit about Canada. So I would, I would love to just speak yeah. to the Canadian audience here for a hot minute. And then... Um, you were showing me something before we started recording, which I thought was absolutely fantastic because I want to leave people here on a high note. Now that you know this, I would encourage you to go back and um, uh, check out the show notes and some of the links that we'll post in there. Um, James, your video was bang up. I mean, that was a, an hour and a half, but it was bam, 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 to the point. It's very straightforward. I would, I would encourage people to watch that. And then let's talk about what you can actually do because I think in this case, awareness and you know, letting people know about this is absolutely critical at this point. Um, to try to practice what I preach, okay, um, everybody has a different take on this. And, mm -hmm. and so um, all of the information is on jamesruguski.substack.com. You can call me at 310-619-3055. And if you have a great idea, by all means, share it. And I'll do what I can to implement it. And so there are many things that people can do. Um, I just... Uh, the other day I was working with somebody in, uh, I won't say where he was, he was somewhere in Canada and, you know, he's put together a flyer, like sort of a little newsletter that he's printing out and passing out. Okay. And, you know, he's got it up on telegram and he, I, I gave him a, the idea of, of, you know, using their own weapons against them, you know, put a QR code on it. So people who have the physical one, you can scan it, you can read all the information, got links to, you know, all this info. Um, other people um, do podcasts. Okay. Um, uh, other people um, are, are like to talk on the phone. Okay. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And so one of the things that I think you're referencing is on um, preventgenocide2030.org, which is a website that um, Rima Labo, myself, and Paul G have put together. Um, there are systems whereby you can um, put in a little bit of info, your name, your email, whatever, push a button and send emails to every member of the Canadian parliament, um, every member of all of the provincial um, parliament members. Okay? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And we've got pre-written emails, uh, some of which you can edit, some of which are just ready to go. And that's all on preventgenocide2030.org. Uh, click on take action, you know, take action. I'm, I'm going to put the hot link right, right in the show notes. Right. So please click and, through to the episode webpage for this and, and, and um, yeah, you'll get there. And, and, and so um, here's what happens, because, you know, in testing it, I did it, right? And I, I'm not in Canada. And, and so you, you push a button and it sends a thousand emails to every member of both the federal and the provincial parliament. And almost instantaneously, you get 200 vacation responders. Okay. <laughs> hey, we're out of the office. You know, that, okay. You know, get back, you know, 
Now, now, granted, I did it a couple of days ago, so it's the holidays. You know, I, I'll cut them a little bit of slack, but that's you know that's par for the course. You get an automatic response, okay? And then there will be a couple of dribs and drabs of actual staff members responding to your email, okay? And and so um, the idea behind all of everything I'm going to say is they're trying to keep this hidden. And so the opposite of darkness is light. So shine light on it. Take this video that you're watching and share the link to this video with absolutely everybody you possibly can, okay? Last night, after I published um, the thing that we were talking about, the 100 reasons to you know stop this, um, you know, I went on my Signal account and I just went from top to bottom and I shared it with everybody, with every group, with every person, okay? So, you know, please take a look at this and tell me what you think. Then I went on my Telegram account. I went from, I'm sorry, I went on my uh, WhatsApp account, top to bottom, went on my Telegram account, top to bottom. Today, it's gonna take me all day long. Everybody that I've ever in my life sent a text message to is on my phone. Hmm. And so I, I actually do this from the bottom up, right? So you know, who haven't I texted for months, okay? I'm gonna text message him and go, hey, I've been working on this, you know, please look at it, tell me what you think. See you later, bye, okay? It'll probably take me all day to just literally, with everybody I have ever texted back and forth with, to send them a text message and, you know, send me a text message, 310-619-3055, I'll text you back all the info you want. And, and it's kind of entertaining, you, you do that late at night, you go to sleep, you turn off your phone, you wake up in the morning, you turn your phone on, Ding, 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 ding. Mm -hmm. Oh, you know, maybe 2% of the people reply, okay? Most people are busy living their life and they're distracted. And they'll get to it at some point, you know, maybe not instantaneously. I know it's a lot of information, but almost universally, people are like, wow, I had no idea. Thank you. I'll share it on my podcast. I'll share it with my friends. I'm going to this meeting. I, I, I'll tell people at work, you know, we need to have this underground spreading of information, shedding light on what's going on. There are systems that can do it in a big way. There are people who have ideas, who have platforms, who have audiences, who just have a whole lot of friends, okay? Or they want to pick up the phone. Uh, you know, if you live on Twitter or Getter or, you know, whatever platform it is, Put it out. And it, it makes me laugh when I do this and I, I say, oh, you know, please share this. And people come back five seconds later, they go, done. I'm like, <laughs> no, um, just posting it once on Facebook doesn't count as sharing it. Um, how many friends do you have? And, and, and you know, thank you for this, because I think this is really the core. And, and now I'm going to wax a little bit philosophically. OK. Mm -hmm. um, over the past three years, what I think has happened amongst all of the other stuff is that our relationships with real people have been shredded, okay? Everyone has been put through a test of their character. And people have shown who they really are, right? Are, are you open-minded? Are you freedom-loving? Are you willing to let other people be who they are? Or are you bossy and a control freak and you want everybody to do what you want them to do? And every place in the spectrum in between, okay? And, you know, how's that working out for you? 
Okay. And, and so what has happened is that it's not a dichotomy because it is a spectrum, but that difference in personality views of the world has separated authoritarian behavior from libertarian behavior. It's, 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 it's um, separated religiosity, meaning scientism mm. versus questioning and open-minded, you know, getting in there to see what the actual data and the results are and changing if what you thought would happen isn't what would happen. I just watched something, you know, the other day about um, immune system response to the jabs and the immune system response to the jabs, you know, some people were right about what was happening or, or, or was going to happen. But, you know, all the smarty pants who were pushing the jabs have been so unbelievably wrong about how the immune system is actually responding. Okay. Um, they should be kicked out of their jobs because they were just so outrageously in, you know, wrong in, in their thought processes about what might happen. And they're unwilling to look at the data. Right. And so they're over on this end of the spectrum. So what we all need to do, in my opinion, that's what I try to do every day is reach out to everyone, you know, okay. Give them another opportunity to look at new information of which they're probably not aware and see if they're capable of learning. If they're open-minded, if you send them this information and, and, and they're just like, no, I don't want to know. Right. Don't, I, I don't believe it. I don't want to know. Right. The beauty of what I do is I just have the WHO's documents. I'm not making this up. Mm -hmm. It's like, there's mm -hmm. the document. I analyzed it to make you make it easier, but the document is right there. You can read it for yourself. You don't have to take my word for it. You don't have to agree with my analysis of it or my opinion about it. Make up your own mind. But probably the vast majority of people will be like, I, I, I don't want to know. Don't tell me about it. Okay. Well, that's a character test. That's a personality test. Mm. Okay. Log that in your memory banks and realize that that's who they are. Okay, fine. Other people will be like, you know, you, you're like, oh man, we got to talk about this. What the heck is going on here? Um, and, and then they need to get informed as much as they want to be informed. And hopefully they will then spread the word and this underground, you know, sharing of knowledge will happen. Make the effort to build a relationship with them. You know, you and I having this one hour conversation, you know, it's the beginning of a beautiful friendship, right? Mm -hmm, you know, it's, mm -hmm. it's, it's spend time with people, whether you, I'm sure if we talk long enough, would find something to disagree on. Sure. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Hey, you know, we could agree to disagree on that because we agree on 99.999% of everything else. Um, you want to spend the rest of your life with people that you want to spend the rest of your life with. And if you want to spend the rest of your life with people who don't want to learn, then go ahead, spend your life with them and try to convince them. Okay. But I think that's a waste of time, especially given the urgency of what's going on here. And so I choose to spend my time with people who go, wow, thanks for that new information. What are we going to do about that? Okay. Yeah. Then there's a million ideas that everything under the sun is possible to do. I have, um, if you go to stoptheamendments.com, there are 14 actions that you can take. Okay. If you go to Prevent Genocide 2030, there's a number of actions and some dedicated specifically to Canada. 
I'm working with people in Australia, same thing. I just got a, I got a thing earlier just before this, somebody in, um, somebody translated some of the work I did into Dutch. I'm like, oh, thank you. Awesome. Okay. Yeah. You, you never know where this is going. You know, I've had other people translate stuff, you know, and, and so what can we do? Right. Well, what do you think you can do? Whatever it is you think mm. you can do to spread the word. The easiest answer is take this video and share it. And you know, don't just post it on Twitter once and say bye-bye. Right. That, that doesn't count. Go to all of the people that follow you and DM them. Go to your other social media accounts and take the time to make a connection to a human being. Send them a message, send them a text message, send them an email, send them a DM. If you have their phone number, give them a phone call and say, hey, I DM'd you, I texted you, I tweeted at you, I did all these many things. I want you to look at this. I want your opinion on this. You know, this is important. Then you go to the next person and the next person and the next person. And if you don't do that, then you're actually effectively censoring this information. And so you're no better than all of the censors who are out there. Um, share this with everybody you possibly can. And when you publish this, it's going to go up on one of my next articles, which is there's a list of 600 alternative media platforms who are silent on this. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, I mean, this is the only podcast to listen to, but if you do listen to other podcasts, if you do watch other things, send them a message and go, Hey, why aren't you, why aren't you covering this? Talk yeah. about yeah. What, whatever their opinion may be. It's, it's shining light on what is being attempted to be done in darkness. Mm -hmm. And so that's all I'm asking is, you know, spread the word, shine some light on what they're trying to hide. And if you like it, then promote it. Meaning, you know, if you want them to be in charge of every aspect of your life, that's your choice. Yeah. But, yeah. Um, that's not, that's not my choice. No, it's not my choice either. And I'm sure most of our listeners here and viewers would, uh, would, would agree. Um, and I, yeah, thank you for your, um, you know, the, the uh, synopsis there. I like that. Um, I think it's important to just kind of um, sometimes uh, reorient ourselves, right, and get our bearings um, back because uh, we, we are in, in living in a world where there is such polarity and such division. And uh, I think something like this, you know, it's, go I mean, like everything, you know, I, I don't look at what's going on right now as um, us versus them or left versus right or whoever. I mean, this, this, is, a, this is a class war that we are engaged in and we have an elitist global class that are that have declared war against the rest of this of the, the population um that's the way i see it and i think that we all need to put aside our differences we all need to look at this through fresh eyes and just say holy smokes this is actually what they're <laughs> trying to do these yeah. are the policies in black and white not from my opinion not from your opinion not from what what i think might be happening this is actually what's happening right now and I love that you, you know, I just want to thank you for your work because, um, you know, I love speaking to people who just pick up the reins and just go for it and go hard, you know, in, in this area or whichever area they're, they're interested in and they're passionate about. So I, I want to thank you for your work, but also thank you for actually having action items. You know, I think a lot of what we hear out there, um, it, there's a lot of, you know, there's a lot of doom posting, there's a lot of doom and gloom, and there's a lot of crazy stuff going on in the world, right? And it's, it's, it's hard to take it all in and to sort of go, well, where's the hope, right? What the hell mm -hmm. are we supposed to do here? Well, let, um, let me let me wrap it up and leave you with some hope. Yeah, um, yeah. When I 
um, got started in this. Um, it, it, it literally all began in January. Um, I have done this many times in my life and uh, I did it again. And I, I was out in my yard gardening. I've got a little bit of a food forest because you should. And um, I stopped and I was feeling pretty good. And I just put a prayer up and I said, you know, God, if there's anything you want me to do, just let me know and I'll do it. And sometimes I've gotten like instantaneous ideas of what it was I should do. But this time it was no lightning bolt or anything. But a month after that, I got an email and 10 years worth of work on many, 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 many websites had just been wiped off the Internet. It was all gone. I had well, I had like six websites all about COVID that I've been spent the last two years, you know, working on a year ago, right? And and it was all gone. And I was like, oh, well, um, hmm, I wonder if that's going to free up some time, and maybe I'm going to get a new assignment. And a month later or so, I, I find all of this information about the international health regulations. And it was like a lightning bolt went down my spine. I'm like, oh, this is what I'm supposed to be doing. That sort of personal reset um, just opened up some space for me to focus on this, right? Mm. And so I said, well, you know, I, I asked for a new assignment, so here I am, okay? And and so when I finally got a hold of this 46 pages worth of uh, proposed amendments to the international health regulations, and I got to page three, and I encourage people, please download the document, open it up, go to page three, go to article three, line one. I, I read it, and I saw myself with my jaw hanging open, going, I don't believe what I'm reading. They just wanted to cross out that it would be implemented with the full respect for dignity, human rights, and fundamental freedoms. And I was stunned. But then I was like, oh my God, could God have given a greater gift? This is so bad that if this doesn't wake people up, they will never awaken, mm -hmm. okay? Mm -hmm. If, if uh, a, an organization saying they want to negate your dignity, your human rights, and your fundamental freedoms, if that doesn't get you a little bit concerned to the point where you want to go, hey, did you see this? You know, and so given that, how could anybody say, eh, whatever, I'm going back to, you know, watch the ball game or something. Yeah, yeah. Um, you go, that that's pretty bad, right? Now, from a marketing standpoint, from a media standpoint, from from a political standpoint, could you ask for a better soundbite? Could could you ask your opponent to make a, a, a worse move? Mm -hmm. Okay, why don't you on a chessboard? Why don't you just hand me your king and a couple of rooks and a couple of bishops and 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 give up the game? They just told us their core philosophical position. You don't need your dignity. You don't need your human rights. Yeah, we're taking away your fundamental freedoms. Just sign on the dotted line. Okay, so I, I see it as as cause for optimism because that is you know their words that all you have to do is show that to as many people as possible and watch what those people do. If they mm -hmm. fall right mm -hmm. back asleep, let them sleep. Yeah, keep on, they're not keep gonna, on moving. Yeah, They're not going to help, right? They're going to just be a, a, a ball and chain to slow you down. Wish them all the best in their lives with that attitude. Show it to somebody else and they'll be like you. They're like, oh my God, you know, I got to read this. I got to summarize it. I got to do a podcast. I got to tell somebody. Um, 
and and work with the people who you want to have a relationship going forward with in the future. Yeah, I love it. I love it. Um, thanks so much for your work, James, and for uh, taking some time out on such short notice uh, to join well, me today. Yeah, it's a pleasure. Um, for those of you listening and watching, um, I'm not going to labor over this. I just want to wrap us up in the interest of time. But please, please, please click through onto the show notes for this. Uh, I know on some of the podcast players, especially um, the the description is very, very short. So you're going to have to just click, you know, episode website and um, you'll see all of the links. I'm going to put a whole bunch of links into the show notes here, um, starting with the most important, uh, which is your latest work, James, which is the... Um, and, that, that, and, that, and, put, and put my phone number there, please. Yeah, yeah I'll do that. Um, and I encourage people, you know, as, as you were saying, I mean, just share, share, share. This is absolutely critical. This is probably one of the most important podcasts I've done, I feel, because... If these things do come into effect, it is going to impact all of our lives in ways like we can't even imagine. And this is why we need to stop this right now. Absolutely critical. So thanks so much for all your work, James, and for uh, joining me today. Um, yeah, have a great day. My pleasure. All right. Thank awesome. you so much.